Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. Any very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Robbie Union Podcast with your host Mark Kennedy. Joined again to speak by Liam O'Brien. Liam, how are things? Good, Mark. Uh, yeah, enjoyed the weekend there. Uh, Friday night in Tolman Park. Good crowd. Atmosphere was rocking and uh, five-star performance. So delighted. I suppose we'll have a review of round 14 in the URC. Plenty to talk about from the Irish province's perspective. We'll look at this weekend again at Six Nations round three preview. I will also look at some fixtures outstanding that will be taking place in South Africa at the weekend. And also we'll look at some contract news from Munster Rugby, Leinster Rugby, and also news breaking in Connacht of a head coaching appointment. I suppose, Liam, you were in Tolman Park on Friday night last to see Munster Rugby against Ospreys. We'd build this one up as being a bit of a playoff contending fixture. Far from it. Great performance from Munster. And uh, what a route. Look, I think we both tipped like the basic Munster would get the bonus point. Um, but it wouldn't be so easy as it was, as it turned out. Uh, seven tries, three points conceded, and that was in the first three minutes, like the first pen- penalty. Ospreys never looked like scoring after that, to be quite honest about it. <laughs> but some brilliant performances, um, notably from Coombs, John Klein, Hodnett, and I suppose like in the backs, that centre partnership lit it up, definitely, uh, Fekatoa and Frisch. It was all one-way traffic. I mean, probably a competitive first, probably nine, ten minutes here, Liam. Osprey's supposed to be fair. If you look at the video analysis this week, it wasn't half bad in terms of the first eight, nine minutes. But I suppose as soon as Gavin Coombs got the first try, the floodgates opened fairly quickly. And I suppose, can I get your viewpoint again? Or again, talking about officiating this uh, high tackle, Bradley Davis and Roland Salanoa on 18 minutes. What was your viewpoint there? It was a yellow card issued. Did you feel it could have been more? Yeah. Well, from from what we saw in the stadium, like, you know, it, it, it definitely looked like being more, you know, without a shadow of a doubt. You hear these mitigating factors that he was going upwards as if somehow that's a mitigating factor, you know. <laughs> no, um, again, look, the, and the great debate happens again now, as in what what consistency is across the board in terms of what's going to be a, a, a definite ye- yellow and what's a definite red. I, I thought I thought it was probably a red card against Salanoa. It's hard to argue otherwise, in my view. I think it's hard to argue, but I suppose consistency, looking what happened the weekend before with Wayne Barnes in the Aviva Stadium, the Italian official on duty basically claimed that was medium, from the medium level, and gave it 10 minutes in bin. Maybe he knew something that we didn't in terms of the Ospreys. God, heaven forbid, if Ospreys were down to 14 players for the duration of that match, I mean, it could have been an absolute cricket score. But I suppose, Liam, looking at the highlights for Munster, probably plenty to kind of be pleased about running lines. But I suppose Malachi Fikatoa's performance, particularly in the opening half, really did catch the eye, along with Anton Frisch, the 12-13 partnership really bearing fruit here. Yeah, absolutely amazing partner. To be honest with you, they look like one of the best partnerships in Europe right now, uh, you know, in terms of centre. And it is correct to have kind of the Fekitoa 12, Frisch 13, because I think it's fair to say <laughs> Frisch is a bit more about him defensively as well in, in that defensive channel. Then obviously, you know, the, the pressure's off then for Fekitoa. Um, yeah, so, I mean, look, they were, they were tremendous. We had Frisch... 
setting setting off um Fekitoa for his try. Then Fekitoa basically back, uh, back of the hand uh to Frisch to set up his own try. But um they yeah, they, they were they were excellent, I must say. But I also thought like, you know, let's be honest with the game was over probably by what 28, 29 minutes when Munster got the their third try. Yeah, and then the Carvery to wrap it up like by, by thirty six minutes was tremendous altogether. Yeah, I suppose probably a pleasing aspect for Munster is Ospreys were there for the taking. At the start of the season, you might have seen Munster huff and puff but not blow the house down. At least here we saw some cohesive running lines, we saw supporting line runners, we saw some cohesion in terms of Frisch and Fikatoa, particularly Fikatoa's hard running lines and supporting line from Frisch had that we had called out for in previous podcasts here, Liam. So I think from that aspect, it's pleasing. You can see the training. You can see the progression here in terms of game plan. Now, as you rightly point out, the Ospreys really not really a barometer of this. But again, 58 points scored, a pretty significant score margin here. Heading into the business end of the season kind of creates a nice little buffer here for Munster going into the remaining last two games in the homestand starting with the Scarlets uh, in three weeks. Yeah, and look, I mean, I, I keep saying this, but I mean, I, that first four, four or five games was a disaster. But since then, Munster have actually been the form team in the URC and one of the form teams even in terms of the European Cup, you know? So it's 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 hugely uh, positive going forward. In terms of the game, yeah, Coombs got a, got an excellent hat-trick. The guy is pretty much unstoppable <laughs> from a few yards out, you know? And Zebo <laughs> crowned the day as well with a, a a very good finish. To be fair to him, and and Paddy Patterson, who has a glorious opportunity now with the two guys out of Ireland to really push for, at the very least, uh, I suppose a bench spot for Munster for their upcoming kind of big big games as well. Absolutely, Dima. I think it was overall a brilliant performance given the three week break as well. Sometimes you have a few cohesion issues, particularly between backs and forwards, but you wouldn't have known, given Munster's kind of real kind of uh, on-the-front football. Yeah, Patterson's really kind of stood out, hasn't he, this season? It's been a great find. And as you said, likes of Craig Casey, Conor Murray in Irish duty. It gives Patterson glorious opportunity to really impress Graham Roundtree, Dennis Leamy, Mike Prendergast, what he's capable of. I suppose, look, Leam, the fact of the matter is, 776 metres gained by Munster during the 80 minutes. There was 215 passes during that. From those statistics alone, and given the try count here as well, I mean, overall, a great performance. And really sending the, the team home pretty happy, I would say. I think we touched upon John Hodnett here. Liam, again, I think he's evolving with each game here with Munster Rugby, and I thought, again, a sensational performance from the Ross Carberry man again. Yeah, oh, yeah, tremendous. Yeah, I, I, I have to put Klein in there as well. Yeah, I mean, Klein on, on his performances now, I mean, certainly is warranting a, a call up, surely. Do you know, probably probably ahead of maybe Treadwell. But in terms of Hodnett, he is an out now groundhog, which, you know, when he's been missing, we have missed him dearly. Um, some of his carries is unbelievable. His turnovers... Um, he was up there for me uh, for man to match for sure. In an Irish context, I mean, look, Van der Fleer, and then look, it's 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 probably 
between Scott Penny and, and, and Hodnett for next up, really. I think his game management has always been superb, but his kind of meters gained, particularly, it has been, you know, it's really evolved in recent weeks. And I thought his offload for the Patterson try really did show maturity there from John Hodnett. Three guys hanging off him. <laughs> yeah. I know. He's exactly. He gets the offload away. Yeah, yeah. You know, just the, the uh, player identification. New Patterson was in support and executed with a plum. Supposed to be good to note as well. Ethan Cockton uh, gets his debut for Munster. How did you feel? Uh, the youngster from Minnesota got on uh, during his cameo. Yeah, look, uh, he, he kind of settled in well, well into the game. Didn't 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 have a huge amount to do, I guess. But um, again, I, I'm not sure what the situation is in terms of Neil Cronin. So I mean, Coughlin is 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 sure the guy for that, that four choice um, scrum half spot. I'm I'm guessing. In terms of what I saw during the game, and I I, I knew this would nearly happen. Carberry went back to full back again. When um, when Healy came on, and I think look that's an option. That's a real option for us for the the any knockout games in in, in any competition between now and in the season. Possibly having Ben Healy as as the ten starting ten uh, and Carberry a fullback. Um, also, if I can say this, <laughs> Zebo. Uh, well done, Simon Zebo. <laughs> I'm getting such a long contract because. The guys, he, he, you know, they'll never be a, as a good a finisher as him, but there was definitely a lot of kicks ahead from Car- from um, from Zebo in that game. Um, that's all I want to say about that. Fair enough. We won't editorially cut that, uh, Liam. But yeah, yeah. To be fair to Zebo, he did gain 100 metres on the deck. So, yeah, so it's fair enough. I mean, Daly with 71 metres, Coombs obviously 102 Anton Frisch with 113 metres, so really told the tale of the tape. I suppose from, let's say, a Munster injury perspective, uh, you alluded to it here with Liam Coombs going off. That resulted in um, Ben Healy coming on and having that alteration. I suppose no harm in getting flexibility. You know, it looks as if that could be kind of a a setup that might need to be happening here in the playoffs, particularly with Carberry. But I suppose Carberry's play in hand, granted the Ospreys didn't have their finest night on last Friday night, but again, looked very sharp with ball in hand and now has gotten a recall back into the Ireland squad for the Italian game. Yeah, and look, look he took his stride tremendously well, you know? I mean, he, he hit the line from quite far out actually there, you know, um, for his own try. And yeah, look, I mean, he certainly ignited the back line. And in terms of, yeah, Ireland, look, I mean, it's, it's funny the way things go, right? You wouldn't have had Ross Byrne there six months ago, right? <laughs> now he's second choice. Now, though, you could almost make the argument for Carberry being on the bench against Italy, you know, in terms of his overall game management for coming on. Um, but look, he, he he's certainly in the mix, that's for sure. He's back in camp. He's there to kind of show Andy Farrell and the rest of the, ma- the coaching staff how he's evolved, how he's progressed. Obviously, they've seen that Carberry's form has increased. So he's in there. He's in there competing with likes of Jack Crowley and Ross Byrne, along with Johnny Sexton. So I think it's uh, just rewards for Carberry having a few good solid weeks out of the Irish setup. Suppose, Liam, we could look at the Munster rugby contract news while we're at the Irish province. Marquee headlines, Peter Avani signing the one-year extension until the end of the 2023-2024 season. We also had 
prop depth chart reinforced by Stephen Archer and Dave Kilcoyne signing on as well for the 2023-24 season. And also Alex Nankeville also arriving to the ball club from the Chiefs in New Zealand. I was looking at Nankeville, 26 years old, injury-free, plenty to prove, I would say. Probably a good sign-in for Munster here to maybe potentially partner um, Antoine Frisch, given the news that Malachi Fekatoa is departing the Irish province after one season. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent signing. Um, young, ambitious, uh, and I suppose key is injury-free, has had no injuries up to up to now. Um, a guy who's been, you know, zoos uh, in Maori, New Zealand A, highly rated at the Chiefs. He's been their, their centre for five years. So, like, you know, we're getting a real... Uh, Good quality player. Um, delighted to see the other three guys, uh, O'Mahony, uh, uh, Archer and Kilcoyne, getting their one-year deals. So that's pretty much the squad all wrapped up for for next season. And uh, delighted also to hear Graham Roundtree quash the, the rumours about Antoine Frisch <laughs> heading off to France, considering that he has a, a three-year deal. Um, but like it, it was good to kind of put that sort of thing to bed as well. No, it was clinically put by Graham Browntree. I think Antoine Frisch, you know, is fully settled in in Munster Rugby. Nights like last Friday night will certainly help no end here. So I think from that perspective, I think you've nailed us here, uh, Liam. I think we have the nucleus of the squad really nailed down for next season, particularly from, let's say, a front row perspective. We're looking at kind of um, our kind of more experienced players to come in. John Ryan coming back, obviously, from his super rugby exploits. So really solidifying uh, depth chart, particularly in the prop situation. Like, I mean, for Kilcoyne, uh, Stephen Archer, and also Peter Hermani, they owe nothing to the jersey here of Munster. But it's great to see them secure more time with them in the provincial red jersey uh, next season. So, look, I think exciting times. And I suppose for Malachi Fikatoa, it was delighted to see him and see his form progressively upturn here. Uh, so hopefully it'll be a good end of season for Fekatoa that he can contribute nicely to the Munster Rugby cause. Again, I don't think we've seen the true va- value, the true worth of the player, given injuries and probably the game plan adjustments here. But again, I think we're seeing his true worth, particularly in the last few weeks here, Liam. We are indeed. And look, look, I mean, we have that nice centre partnership now up and running for the knockout games, and if we get good front football, they, those guys are going to do damage. That's not no about it. Yeah, like, I mean, Fekitoa as a 12, I think it's a massive weapon in terms of front football. And, I mean, you can see the cohesion, you can see the understanding from players around him now in terms of his tendencies, in terms of ball and contact. He's looking to offload at any given point. So I think players now have that confidence now to really synchronise with him. So I'm excited to see the end of the season here for Fekatoa. It'll be interesting to see where Malachi Fekatoa actually lands after the World Cup with Tonga. I don't know if you had any ideas, Darren Leams, in terms of maybe potential destinations for him. Well, look, I mean, I mean, the most obvious one is probably, because maybe now with salary cap there, it would be like Japan. But actually, I, I, I would even look at potentially Major League Rugby. Mm-hmm. Any of those cities there on the kind of the west coast that would have maybe an islander population, or even more so, um, the Pacifica team that um is in Super Rugby, that would be probably 
ideal for someone like him. You know, those island guys, they eventually want to come back home, get a, get a season or two there. Um, it's be starting next to February after the World Cup, so it'd be ideal for him in terms of time wise as well. Exactly, because with Tonga, he will look to fully commit to that. Uh, so yeah, best wishes to Malachi Fikatoa. Season still alive for Munster and the players. So wish him well, and I think it's great news in terms of contract renewals here and for Alex Nankyville. Moving on from Munster, we'll kind of look on Friday night as well to Scotston. And Glasgow Warriors, we'd mentioned last week in the podcast, have been building a nice form guide heading in. They got the job done against an Ulster rugby side who kind of misfired, but a late John Cooney penalty here, salvaging a loser bonus point, could be pivotal come the playoffs uh, here, Liam. Yeah, but I mean, also we could say Glasgow kind of made heavy weather of it as well. Like, I mean, I mean, half time was, was 5-8 to Ulster, actually. And I suppose, look, they got, they got a crucial try there maybe five minutes from the end, from a mall, to kind of give him a bit, a bit of breathing room, essentially. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, Glasgow, they're motoring now, they're in, they're in form, would be my bet for the, the fourth uh, spot in the URC table. Yeah, I think we can talk about the fixture list in a few minutes, but I suppose the weather wasn't great in Scotston, I suppose in February in Glasgow. Not really, but I suppose Glasgow really showed their aggressive game calling straight away, didn't they? They really turned down successive penalties, hit for the corner, and I suppose there were missed opportunities there for Glasgow Warriors. So I think all credit holds to rugby. They stood resolute defensively, particularly in that opening period. And Sheridan's try, really, and Doak's penalty, really, having that 8-5 advantage at the break. But I suppose here we go again here, Liam. Again, it was like Glasgow kind of up the, the ante a little bit, particularly in that court, third quarter. Tries ensued from uh, Dempsey and also Brown as well uh, from a mall try. So, I mean, from that perspective here from Ulster, the pressure did toll eventually here. Yeah, uh, two, two, two mall tries. And particularly the, the side try was a tremendous one, you know, real old school mall and they just they just walked it in basically from like say about 10 meters out like you know to be fair you know Cooney on the on the, on the stroke of full time he got that um penalty to kick over um to get them that that point because Ulster they they need they need to pick up points on the road and and in every game really from now on but Ulster you know their season it's it's kind of up and down, and now they're coming to a, um, the most difficult part in terms of trying to hold on to a top four spot, really. Yeah, it's really closed up, hasn't it, this top four battle now. The likes of the Bulls, Ulster Rugby, they've been hauled in, essentially. It's all to play for going in down the stretch. And, I mean, it's no disgrace losing to Glasgow Warriors. Glasgow now are 10 games unbeaten in all competitions. And that's my statement at the start of this segment in terms of Glasgow really building a nice form line here. And I mean, if you look at Glasgow's fixtures coming up, I mean, you have the despair fixtures from start of season coming in here. Glasgow travelled to Johannesburg to face a Lions team that are struggling at the moment. They're at home to Zebri. There's a real kind of playoff field fixture in Towan Park with Munster on the 23rd of March. They're at home to Dragons and home to Connacht. I mean, Liam, it really does reinforce your point here that Glasgow have a 
glorious opportunity here to really secure a top four berth here in the playoffs. Yeah, you kind of tipped him to win four of those five games, I know, wouldn't you, really? You know, so you're talking about, look, you have Leinster and Stormers are just away with it, right? So, um, yeah, Glasgow are there, going to be there, thereabouts. Probably Sharks as well. Sharks have a few games in hand as well, so that's probably going to make a difference as well. But um, So that's why, yeah, Ulster basically have to, to keep uh, keep getting those wins. They travel to the Sharks, South Africa, this weekend away. Uh, given the Sharks' performance against the Lions last weekend, confidence has been boosted, obviously, in the Sharks' camp. So, you know, that's a tough task for Ulster. They then travel to Cardiff uh, away. Bulls at home, which I think has massive playoff ramifications. They have Dragons at home and Edinburgh away. So, I mean, that's a tricky fixture list here for Ulster Rugby to negotiate, even to kind of get some form going heading into A, probably the Heineken Champions Cup against Leinster, but B, securing as high as uh, standing as possible going into the playoffs. As you said, the Sharks away, and then last game, Edinburgh away as well. So, yeah, I mean, look, uh, not easy in terms of uh, keeping the top four spot. I, I, I think... The, the top probably seven spots are probably very well locked in. It's just a question of, you know, do you want to you end up going to be seventh place and, <laughs> and go for a, t- a tough away fixture, or are you going to like try and keep on throughout top four? Exactly. So, look, let's go back to Ulster because, I mean, I'm just wondering in terms of personnel issues here within the squad. The sight of Marcus Ray and also Jake Flannery, lining out for Banner Hinch last weekend in the AAL. I don't know what that's painting to you, Liam, in terms of maybe Ulster squad. Marcus Ray, for me, is an outstanding prospect for Ulster rugby. Why is he playing AAL when literally a pivotal playoff game against Glasgow Warriors in Scotstone, and he's nowhere near the 23-man squad? Yeah, but this this is the guy who was the, the big hope for Ulster, wasn't he? I mean, you were going to have basically Ray at six and Timoney seven and... For Mule and Age, that was going to be that was also that was also his back row, you know. I don't I don't know how he, he has gone off the radar. I mean, is it just complete disharmony now in the in the squad? Are certain players that simply aren't getting a look in at all with the management? Um, are they're effectively banished? It's just uh, it's just uh, for Ulster fans, I think it's it's a, a squad that's kind of um really disjointed. And the performances are kind of shown the same way as well. But look, as you said, at this stage of the season, playing IEL rugby, whatever out, if you're kind of start season and, and maybe injured or whatever, not getting game time, but it's very hard to fathom, really. Yeah, and I mean, these are two excellent prospects. They've played up along Ireland underage. So there's been, we'll get no feedback from Ulster Rugby in terms of why that is but I suppose from a Jake Flannery perspective here obviously he should be looking for pastures new I mean he's not got a look in in Ulster Rugby maybe a cameo against every rugby and that's it that's been very disappointing for the player but I think Marcus Ray particularly has really hit a nerve with some Ulster Rugby supporters particularly the potential the upside on this player it's going to be an interesting watch here from Ulster Rugby because that is a tricky fixture list to end here I mean, I even look at Edinburgh away. I mean, Edinburgh could be kind of literally looking for a playoff berth themselves. There's a few banana skin fixtures here, certainly for Ulster Rugby. If they're not too careful, they could slide down the table fairly quickly. So I think for Dan McFarland here and the squad, I think 
they need to get their act together quite quickly here because you do have that pivotal last 16 fixture uh, between Ulster and Leinster in the Aviva as well in the Heineken Cup Champions Cup and we, for Ulster really to have to respond here before that fixture. Yeah, absolutely. As you said, like, you know, they have Leinster fixture to come and uh, it's somehow they're going to have to get the, the, the squad back playing to the, the levels that we know we can are capable of. This is the thing about it. I mean, a lot of guys kind of, you know, off form, you have to say Tim and he's kind of form went off there. And in the backs too, you probably have to look at the likes of Stuart Moore and, and Ethan McElroy. Yeah, the, the form has definitely kind of uh, left them for a while there. So hoping to get back on track. Yeah, exactly. So look, it's key. It's pivotal. I think the, the few weeks break again. Ulster just need to reset, regroup and come again quickly and really utilise all their squad options possible here um, heading into the run-in of the season. I suppose we'll get to Connacht Rugby now here, uh, Liam. 57-34 win against Sebri. Really tells only half the story, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, I was fearing the worst for Connacht heading into that final quarter, but, I mean, they got the job done anyway uh, here, Liam. What was your reaction to that performance from Connacht? At one stage, it, it, it went down, yeah, 20 minutes to go, you know, try for Zebra and it was like four points in it and it wasn't looking good because we know Connacht are not good in the last quarter of a game, traditionally, that's a strong point. But they did get three tries, it has to be said, and one on a stroke of full time to turn around and to make the scoreboard look, I suppose, a lot more convincing. Um, and look, it, it, the thing is, it's it's kind of one of these separate things. It's it's tricky enough in the sense of you're expected to to wallop them anyway, like you know. And at the end of the day, they now have a really good fixture list left to to really quite give themselves a brilliant chance of qualifying for Europe. But also for me, good to see Ola Butler capping his debut with a try. He is apparently a very very good prospect. Both Dylan Tierney Martin as well a hat trick. I suppose let's. Put the positive here for Connacht Rugby. Nine tries, superb opening half, really set the platform here for this result. The attacking mall was a huge weapon for them throughout. They gained valuable meters off that. And uh, some really good interchange of play. Tiernan Halloran, very prominent here. Kilgallen as well. So I think from that perspective, all very positive. But I suppose where video analysis is probably come in, going to come in here, Liam, is uh, the third quarter. Certainly, immediately from the restart, you know, we get to try. Uh, you know, it's uh, looking game over. But for that 15 to 16 minute spell straight after, Zebri just basically played with a bit of abandon. There was a few misreads from defence from Connacht. And hey, presto, Zebri's getting four tries. An unlikely bonus point try uh, performance here. And I mean, as you said, Connacht are under the pump here. Four points down uh, up with uh, 20 minutes to go. So... Again, it's that collapse. It's that lack of concentration, composure. You're looking down at the last four fixtures here. Dragons away, Edinburgh at home, Cardiff at home, and Glasgow away. If there's a repeat of that in the third quarter here, I think playoff picture will be a forlorn hope here for Connacht Rugby. Yeah, well, look, I mean, it's been a problem all season, hasn't it? Kind of, you know, the, the, the defensive display in the latter end of games. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm quite hopeful that they will turn around and if they have, you know, other Iron Boys back as well, you know, I mean, the fixture list is actually quite kind. 
to um to Connacht, then they should they should be winning three out of the, out of the four remaining games, which puts them pretty much there in in the in the and the coattails of the top eight. So um yeah, I mean look, it's all to play for for Connacht, absolutely. Yeah, I think the next three games are absolutely pivotal. They have to put pressure around teams around them. I'm just going to call this out. Dragons away could be a potential banana skin. You may kind of scoff at that, but I think Dragons, particularly against Leinster, the 43-14 loss here, Dragons actually played some good stuff on the night. And I mean, from a Connacht perspective here, I think that's a, a fixture that Munster Rugby found to their cost at the start of the season. If they don't approach the game properly... They could get turned over, and then they have the two key fixtures against Edinburgh, who are going to be on playoff. They're probably in playoff mode as we speak, given their heavy loss to Scarlet. And Cardiff as well are pretty much in playoff mode, knowing that another loss here down the stretch could be fatal for their playoff chances. So, I mean, also not lost here for Connacht. You know, they had a tough start of the season. The redevelopment of the sports ground the pitch meant that they had to travel. So they're coming in back into form. So credit them. They've put themselves into position. Eighth place at the moment. So it is going to be interesting just to see how this team evolve. And I mean, I think for Connacht, they are a springtime, summertime team, given the brand of rugby that they're playing. So I'm excited to see where Connacht are, but there are some flaws here in terms of composure. Trying to produce a consistent 80-minute performance really hasn't been achieved yet. So I think for the management staff here at Connacht, a few weeks to really iron out some issues here ahead of that crunch three-game homestand. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think, look, I'd be hopeful that they'll also will select the likes of Bundy Aki when he comes back. I mean, you just, you have to select your best players. Mm. You you have to get your victories. In spite of the fact that there's upheaval in terms of coaching and in terms of the coaching team and in terms of player contracts, I think kind of can go in very confident into the remainder of the season. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's testament to the squad, the management, they haven't lost belief here. And they put themselves in position here to really secure a playoff berth here. So so it's all pointing here to Connacht Rugby to really kind of put the front foot forward. I suppose you're talking about backroom staff here. As we went on air here, Liam, uh, news that Pete Wilkins is going to take over from Andy Friend at Connacht. What's your immediate reaction to that? Well, it's probably the same reaction that a lot of Connacht fans would have, kind of a one of um, not overly excited because I suppose, look, he he is a very good hands-on coach and he's been there quite a while. I wish him all the best, obviously. We'll see how he gets on in the next uh, few seasons. I think that he was also def- like he was defensive coach and then he, when Andy Friend moved up and became director of rugby, he's basically has been has been the de facto head coach anyway. So I I I wish him all the best going forward. Yeah, look he has vast experience. He's worked at Edinburgh, he's worked at Queensland Reds, so he's gone around the globe really honing his coaching talent. So I mean he got promoted to senior coaching role here in twenty twenty one. He got a further promotion to head coach in twenty twenty two. So Let's be brutally honest here. I called it there a few months ago. I felt that this would be an in-house appointment. It certainly has proved, and I wouldn't probably stretch this, that he's probably been kind of working very closely with Andy Friend 
in some sort of succession or transitional process here in previous months, really kind of getting a sense of the role that Andy Friend has held in this province. And I mean, from Andy Friend's perspective, the next few weeks really will define in terms of where Connacht are going, in terms of the legacy, in terms of the progression on and off the field. So I think that will be an interesting appointment. But the only thing here, Liam, is is that there is going to be some uh, backroom departures, most notably Deval Sinical, uh, who has done an awful lot of good work in terms of from a forward pack perspective. He's moving away from Connacht to go to French Pro 2 side Onyx. And Indian Mossy Lawler, obviously, we'd previously discussed this in a podcast a few weeks ago. He'll be the skills coach uh, for Munster Rugby. So there will be a change of the guard here in terms of the coaching setup, new faces, new voices. So it's going to be, I hate to say that word transition, but there will be net new backroom staff coming in here to accompany Pete Wilkins. So it's going to be interesting to see how the ethos, how the game plan really evolves under Pete Wilkins. So uh, with that, the last um, province to take to the field last Saturday was Leinster Rugby. Leo Cullen, head coach of Leinster, called this a patchy performance, but still there was sufficient quality here to beat a dragon side that had plenty of ample opportunities here, particularly in the Leinster 22, to get more than 14 points. But Leinster scoring 43, again, looks a routine win here, uh, Liam, and really 14 from 14 from Leinster consolidates top berth and really nails down that top seat for Leinster Rugby in the process. Certainly does. And look, look, a young Leinster team, I just saw some of those highlights and it kind of doesn't tell the tape of the whole game where actually the Dragons had quite a bit of ball, should have scored it way more than, than one try. I think it was just a case of they were spilling balls in the line and knocking on balls. And, you know, so, so they were competitive actually uh, during the course of the game. I guess it's just a question that, you know, it doesn't matter for Leinster, you know, when you have the likes of your Ruddocks, when you have your likes of your Scott Pennies there, um, your Jordan Larmers, just just quality backup players, really. And in fairness, the selection was a mix of academy, fringe, and players really looking to impress Lancaster, Leo Cullen here, head of more crucial fixtures. And I suppose the, the negative here for Leinster Rugby is probably the amount of times that they gave Dragons opportunity within their 22 but I suppose the pleasing factor here as well was how they basically defended for a large majority of the game, given that the Dragons had 58% territory and 53% possession. It's not every day you kind of hear those stats against Leinster Rugby, typically in a URC fixture. But I suppose seven tries from Leinster. I thought Jimmy O'Brien was very prominent here, Liam. You know, he beat five defenders, four offloads here. Again, you've talked about Jordan Larmer, you know, he's looking very sharp. And I suppose the man at the moment here, uh, Scott Penny, I thought coming in uh, really was very prominent. He had a match high, 19 tackles, nine successful carries. So I suppose a guy here that we have rated in this podcast for many an episode. And uh, I suppose the Arden call-up here may be probably more experienced than anything else. But but he certainly has delivered. Yeah, absolutely. This is a guy, I mean who is probably second only to van der Freer in terms of open side in the country and who oftentimes doesn't make the match day 23 for Leinster. That's just the, the fact of the matter. But he, he's a he's a tremendous, um, tremendous open side, built physically, just uh, absolute turnover king, um, strong over the ball, 
Um, great link man, often scores uh, tries at the end of moves. I mean, just you know, absolutely, and 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 well deserved uh, a call up to the Irish squad. It must be said. Yeah, because I heard an awful lot of consternation regarding the selection. Who are we to judge Andy Farrell in the selection uh, panel here of the management on the selection? Because obviously they've seen the ability to see the potential of Scott Penny. He fits into that dynamic attacking system that Ireland are trying to employ. Very, you know, like Leinster. And I mean, as you say, he's an out-and-out seven. So no harm in bringing Scott Penny in here to reevaluate him, integrate him into the squad just to see how he reacts. So I think there's an awful lot of upside here. No likes of John Hodnett there. I suppose the guy that's probably missing out most here is Nick Timoney. Probably thinking that he'd probably be expecting a call, but I suppose it's showing the fluctuations and inconsistency of form in Ulster that he doesn't make it. But I mean, from a Scott Penny perspective, it's a, you know, he'll take the opportunity with both hands, no doubt. So um, like we're looking at the Leinster playoff fixtures coming up. I mean, the Edinburgh away... The Stormers at home actually looks a very intriguing game, uh, Liam. Just I'm more intrigued about the Stormers. Who are they going to basically bring over on the flight to Dublin? Uh, they've lines away and also the Bulls at the end to kind of uh, wrap up the season. I mean, by the time they get to South Africa, I think it would be fair to say that they've already nailed in the top seed. So I think Stuart Lancaster and Leah Cullen would have a nice luxury maybe to rest a few marquee guys here. But I mean from an answer perspective here to keep on rolling it's a very impressive season so far but tougher challenges lie ahead I hear them they do indeed and look I look essentially when it gets to the playoffs you really the only thing you can say is that they're they're not tested during the entire season in the URC and and it it, it has to affect you once you once you reach the real cut and thrust of almost cup rugby you know to not have got that 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 um that contest at all this season, yeah. Look, I um I agree with you absolutely. The Lions away and 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 the Bulls, they will certainly go with academy players for Stormers at home. I mean, look, there's there's pride in terms of wanting to consolidate the top of the table, and that that would almost certainly a win there will mean that the the Lions and the Bulls fixtures will be really immaterial results wise. Yeah, I'd agree with you there, uh, Liam, to be fair. I think they could even lock... Well, I think they've already locked in top seed, really, to be perfectly fair. But I think that Edinburgh away, if they could get a result there against Edinburgh, uh, in in Edinburgh, uh, I think it's pretty much locked in. Uh, they're locked in uh, already, to be perfectly fair. Uh, but yeah, from a Dragons perspective, again, some nice kind of attacking cameos. I know JJ Hanron scores a try in the second half. But again, at no stage did you feel that Dragons are anyway near uh, causing an upset here. And I mean, Leinster have um, some, you know, good moments to basically review on this game tape. But also, I think the number of 22 incursions by Dragons, I think, will have alarmed Cullen and Lancaster. That can't be let to kind of fester here, uh, heading into a kind of a crunch um, period for them in the season. So, yeah, congratulations to Leinster as well on an incredible season so far. And I suppose with Leinster Rugby contract news that Hugo Keenan has signed a new three-year deal uh, here, Liam. Thoroughly deserved for the Ireland fullback and Leinster fullback. Absolutely, I mean, I mean, this is the form fullback in, in World Rugby right now, and I, it also basically st- states that he's now one of the senior Irish players as well, and they're they're they really are believing in him and and investing in him 
with a, with a, a three-year deal. He's the Irish fullback for for many years to come. Um, delighted for him to that he has just become blossomed into a world-class talent. Actually, got to remember when Rob Carney was leaving stage left, we were really kind of trying to figure out who the successor to the crown was in that fullback role. And Hugo Keenan had been starting off as a back three, particularly on the wing. But my God, has he made that fullback role his own? He's just completely and utterly developed into a world-class fullback. You know, he's running lines. He's so accurate under a high ball. He's completely solid defensively. Great game reader. Superb boot, as we saw against France in the Aviva with the 50-22. So very tactically astute. He ticks all the boxes here, Liam. And again, it's just desserts here for Keenan. He's seen as an important cog fulcrum of this Ireland side going forward in Leinster as magnificent news. And really, congratulations for Hugo Keenan. Suppose we can leave it there on the URC. I suppose, can we get maybe two quick predictions from you this weekend? Uh, all the actions down in South Africa, the two fixtures. First game, Sharks versus Ulster. Lions playing the Glasgow Warriors. Uh, who are you tipping on those two games, Liam? Yeah, I mean, I mean, going on, 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 I suppose, last weekend and the Sharks, how well they did against the Lions, I would be finding it tough to see Ulster actually getting anything much, really, from that game, you know? I think the Sharks by about 15 points, um, probably probably three tries. Yeah, I, 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 that's, that's, I think for, it's going to be a long day for Ulster, basically, I think. Yeah, likewise. I think it's going to be a long afternoon, particularly when you consider the Sharks, there's probably in reinforcements, an awful lot of South African internationals will probably be playing this game. So I don't envy Ulster in this fixture, particularly the pack battle. And particularly with Glasgow Warriors, how they tried to exploit in terms of the mall. I can see Sharks doing exactly the same. I can see a bonus point win here for Sharks. Probably the 15 points as well. Unfortunately for Dan McFarlane, the Ulster Rugby, and it puts them on their heels a little bit going into the season running. And I suppose the Lions, there's been an awful lot of criticism from South African media regarding the Lions after the aftermath of that Sharks loss in Johannesburg. Again, amount of possession and territory, but no real attacking guide or cohesion. They face a Glasgow Warriors side playing pretty well at the moment. Do you fancy Glasgow Warriors for a win here, uh, Liam? Well, it's it, look, it's still a rarity, isn't it? For for sides to go to South Africa and win, it's still quite rare. But yes, I, I very much think that Glasgow will put the Lions to the sword. Yeah, I mean, the Lions, you know, did a very good season last season. Began this season incredibly well. If we remember, they had away wins. <laughs> they had three away wins. I mean, like, tremendous. But uh, since then, nosedived form completely. Uh, I I would go with Glasgow to get the four try bonus point. Yeah. I'd also probably would go with the Lions to get the four try the, the four tries as well. But a uh, ten point win for for Glasgow, I reckon. I was about to say. I think it's going to be a very high scoring game here because Lions are very capable on their day to really pose problems. We saw that with Munster last season down in Johannesburg as well in a very high-scoring game. I suppose Glasgow Warriors, with the logistics, with the travel, jet lag, everything else taken into account, this is a team, lines that they're going to have to respect entirely here. But given the form that the Glasgow Warriors have been showing in recent weeks, I think there's a massive opportunity of them for to consolidate a top-four berth. I think a bonus point, maybe a five, seven point win here. I think here, Liam, I think it might be closer than what you think here. But look, I think that could be a very high scoring game. 
suppose we'll leave the URC. The the other games in round 15 will be kicking off then in two weeks' time after that. So we'll have a review there. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports. 